Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Four Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every part of Star Wars is great. 
from a certain point of view. I am your host. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. With me is a special guest, a special guest who is always here, and that guest is a small sip of whiskey. Here is what my guest sounds like. Ah, the water of life. It was extra loud today. And I say water of life because that is actually the topic for today's episode. We have one great grievance that has been sent in that we will be talking about. I don't know why I keep saying we as though me and the whiskey are both speaking. There you go. That's how I talk sometimes. Now it's just I, not we. Anyway, the point is today's grievance is about water and mystery. It comes to us from Jamie at Jamie1776. And Jamie says, can you explain to me what happens when Ray is meditating with Luke and goes to the dark side. She seems to instantaneously go to the cave and return visibly wet. What is that power exactly? And why aren't we discussing what this means? Jamie concludes with not a question mark, not an exclamation point, but rather an interrobang, a question mark and an exclamation point slammed together. Duality. We'll also be talking a bit about duality today. Anyway, Jamie, that is a great question. Uh, just the general question of what is actually going on in that scene, in that moment, is that water rushes up, past, through, beyond Ray? Who knows? It's a great question, and grievance for you to bring up is... Of all the things that we talk about in Star Wars, why aren't we talking about this one? I can't believe it's taken this long for someone to bring that up in Star Wars Grievance. My grievance is that more people don't have a grievance with this. That is great. So, I agree with you. We get very technical about lots of things in Star Wars, about uh, hyperspace ramming, about uh, how much force skill do certain people have, how long can Leia breathe in space, all that kind of stuff. How bad is Greedo's aim that he misses Han Solo when he shoots at him in the special editions? All sorts of things that we can nitpick, try to come up with explanations for, but for some reason there hasn't been a conversation about this moment, about really dissecting it as a force power, a force moment, about just uh, the style of visual filmmaking, all that stuff. So let's talk about why. I mentioned duality when talking about the interrobang. Star Wars has lots of themes of duality, of course. We got your light and dark, order and chaos. Star Wars itself, to me, is always a tale of duality, of the new and the old. It's a duality between uh, Star Wars being this story of depth about fate and destiny and war, and also it's the story where walrus men hang out in bars and get their arms cut off by laser swords. It is both deep and wacky at the same time. Probably my favorite duality of any. When you can mash up deep and wacky, I'm right there. And of course, within all of those themes, both the ones that are internal to the story of Star Wars and the duality of how Star Wars exists in our minds, we're always struggling for balance. What is the correct balance? And I think that is maybe, to me, why we're not discussing this scene, because that's what is going on with it to me is that it exists in this space of duality but a specific kind of duality and that is the duality of details versus mysteries we can't decide largely as fans which we want 
particularly when it comes to the Force. The Force has always been kind of mysterious, but we always want more details about it as well. For some people, the midi-chlorians made the Force way too scientific. If you grew up with the original trilogy, you were introduced to the Force as a mystical energy field, a hard-to-define, ambiguous, floating thing. It was very conceptual. And then you get to The Phantom Menace, and Qui-Gon Jinn is using a shik razor to test blood sample levels. Now, to me, I don't think the midi-chlorians for myself are too scientific because, yeah, it's a blood level. Yeah, it can be tested with a computer to see how much, quote-unquote, force you have. But at the same time, it's just a story of microscopic creatures living in our cells that can whisper to the force and then whisper the force's thoughts to us. That part of it's not super scientific, so it's still a little mysterious to me. The point is there's tension about things like midi-chlorians because they fight between the duality of details versus mysteries. There are lots of examples of this. Uh, Sometimes we as fans really want the answer to a Force thing. Like, why could Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon run super fast that one time? There are a lot of other times that maybe a Jedi should have really got a move on. But no, they always run at normal speed. Luke kind of jumps at fast speed in Empire Strikes Back. In terms of the just filmmaking, seems like the film is sped up as he flies up from the carbon freezing pit and grabs onto all of those uh, ropes and pipes hanging out of the ceiling there. Anyway, as with most things Star Wars, I could go on and on. I think the idea is there is a specific tension when it comes to scenes like this. On one hand, There's a temptation to say, yes, you know what, Lucasfilm, just give us that published list of force powers and make sure you list on there, like it's an RPG, how many force points each one takes. How many force points does Kylo Ren have? How many force points does it cost to push or choke? What's the choke points on Hux? So how many does he have left over if he gets attacked by someone else? All things like that. There's a temptation to sometimes want to get down into the nitty-gritty, and I know there are Star Wars RPGs, so that's the way some fans have experienced it. I know there are elements of the expanded universe that have got a little bit more technical, so there are fans out there who really like those crunchy numbers side of it, and I think there are a lot of fans who also want the Force to be mysterious. It is larger than we can possibly understand. It can't be boiled down to numbers because a million different things could affect a Force user as they're trying to use the Force. What are they feeling? Are they injured? What conditions are they actually in physically in the world? All sorts of things like that. In general, for myself, I come down on wanting the Force to be a little bit more mysterious so that when I see something in the films that I maybe don't understand or or it makes me think, why didn't that force user just push that person over a railing instead of running and doing a big lightsaber fight? They could have just pushed them from across the room. I tried to let that be an invitation. That is a door opening to imagination for me to think about. Is there a reason in the moment that character didn't do that? Is there a reason that... Obi-Wan, who is a badass in many scenarios, 
cannot handle Count Dooku. Is there a reason Count Dooku is repeatedly handing Obi-Wan's own ass back to him? That is an invitation. Obi-Wan's ass being handed to him by Count Dooku is a door to fun. That is one of the weirdest sentences I have ever said, so let's get back to the point. I think the scene that this grievance is about, the scene in The Last Jedi when Luke is giving his first lesson to Rey and he is teaching her how to reach out to the Force and she hears the call of the dark cave, the dark side mirror cave, I think it is meant to be very mysterious. I think that is the intent of the filmmaking. I don't think there's ever going to be a cross-section book on force water from dark caves. I don't think that scene was designed to be a mystery that necessarily has a specific answer. It's not like hyperspace travel. For me, I accept that hyperspace travel has many, many rules. The number one rule of hyperspace travel is It is powered by narrative, and I understand that that annoys people. It annoys me sometimes, too. But I also think with something like hyperspace travel, it is natural to seek a correct answer because in the movies, it's a story about a ship with fuel and limits and rules. I don't think that's what this scene is. This is crazy force-time cave water town. All that said, let's dive deep into what we think is actually going on in that scene. Here is a review. Uh, Ray is reaching out with the Force. She is seeing the balance around Octo of light and dark, life and death, uh, empathy and violence, really. Uh, And then she senses something else. She senses the dark side mirror cave. We see the opening, that hole with the creepy weeds coming out of it. Uh, Luke clarifies that, yes, there is a powerful light, powerful dark balance. The place that Ray and Luke are training is the top of the island, this pinnacle of the light side reaching up and out and then down below hidden in the murky depths something that goes even deeper even darker and ray uh, says it's cold we've heard this before that relates back to the cave on dagobah it's cold and it's dark she starts to make a connection with it and the rock cracks she acknowledges that it's calling to me luke sees this as a problem. Not just, oh yes, she's exploring the force and there's a there's the light and there's a the dark. No, he is worried. He starts yelling, Ray, resist it, resist it. We hear crying sounds mixed in, which is great. It almost sounds perhaps like Ray herself crying out to her parents as they left her with Unkar Plot. And then we hear a roar. Almost animalistic. As I listened to it more closely, it reminded me of some of the actual animal sounds that are mixed in with Darth Sidious's voice right after he makes his full transformation from Sheev Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith to burnt, scarred, full, evil Darth Sidious. Anakin has just knelt down and he has uh, agreed to become Darth Vader and those noises that come out of Sidious. It's really gross uh, and scary and evil and there's that animal sound to it and that is uh, present to me in that moment as the water bursts out of the hole and then in a very, very quick sequence of shots, the water washes up and over and past Ray, 
almost as if it's flowing uh, into her or through her, and then very quickly it rushes back down into the rock, and Ray puts her hand on it almost as if she's containing it. And this has all happened very quickly and also in disorienting movement because the water rushes up past Ray uh, when she's sitting on top of the rock, uh, the sort of seated rock, and then it disappears back down after Ray has clearly fallen off of that rock and is on the lower part of this whole jutting rock structure. And of course, just as we're watching the film, it's pretty clear that the that water was dumped on Daisy Ridley and then the film is ran backwards. And of course, uh, we see a little bit of this and some of the behind the scenes stuff on The Last Jedi. So there's a lot going on there that uh, I think we respond to on a visceral, emotional level. There's a lot there that's different than traditional filmmaking. And most importantly, I think, to Jamie's question and to our analysis, after all of this happens, there is moisture on Ray. Ray has had some sort of physical experience of this water. And then, of course, uh, Luke is upset because Luke says that Ray heard the dark side calling to her, and instead of resisting it, she went straight to the dark. Ray clarifies that the place, the dark side mirror cave from which the water spouted out, was trying to show her something. And Luke once again gets even more upset that Ray fell to that temptation immediately. So that is what's going on in the scene, literally physically emotionally, actual technical filmmaking-wise. So building all of that together, putting all of that together, I think there are three ways to look at what's happening in this scene. You can look at that scene and say to yourself, that literally happened. Water somehow jumped around the physical reality of Octu and rushed up and past and through Ray, and then she contained it back down into the ground. It literally happened. You can also look at it as, this is expressionistic filmmaking showing what this experience felt like to Ray. This experience of the darkness calling out, her not being able to resist, and then it rushing away once she turned off that intimate connection with the Force. Or, option number three, balance. Perhaps it is a mixture of both. Perhaps this is something that goes beyond duality to it's not just literal. It's not just film expressionism. It's so much more. So let's look at some of those different options. On the literal side, really making the case for the literal, Ray is damp. Maybe she just got really sweaty. That's always a possibility. She was really concentrating on the force, and that is not an after effect of the water rushing past her. Instead, she just was concentrating that hard, worked up a real quick sweat. These things happen. We see Luke himself get sweaty. He breathes heavy when he tries to lift his X-Wing back on Dagobah. And we see after he has uh, been force-projecting himself onto Crate, when we catch back up with him, his actual physical self on Octu in the very same place that our scene is taking place, we see that the effort has caused him to strain and sweat. So... You could look at this scene and say it's all expressionistic and that's just Ray sweating that much. Maybe Ray is really a sweater. Who knows? Not a sweater like you would wear. Not like a Mr. Rogers sweater, but a heavy sweater. Not, again, like a huge Mr. Rogers. You know what I mean. Anyway, 
it is important to note, Luke is not wet. Nor did Luke even comment on seeing water shoot up through the rock and then be pushed back down into another part of the rock. Uh, he certainly sees the rock splitting as Ray is beginning to be called by the dark side and a little bit of her power is being unleashed. He yells at Ray. There's even a suggestion that maybe this moment with the water and Ray, that maybe time is passing slightly different than we're seeing it, because at the beginning of this moment, Luke is in front of the sitting rock, as we'll call it, yelling at Ray to resist it, and then after Ray has collapsed off of the sitting rock and is uh, has pushed the water down, or the water has uh, collapsed down, maybe Ray isn't pushing it, uh, then Luke is kind of more behind her. So maybe there was even a little bit of time movement. I'm interested in how Luke reacts to this because I think it gives us a lot of clues. Either stuff like this happens all the time, that the water from that dark side cave, if you open yourself up to it, it goes shooting around through your body all sorts of weird ways, through the physical space, all sorts of weird ways, and maybe Luke says nothing because, like, yeah, it happens. Uh, actually, that's how I shower here. That's just the way water works on Octu. Or, or he's not commenting because he didn't see it, which would lead me to thinking this is more something that Ray is experiencing, Ray is feeling, and this is the way the audience is being shown what Ray is feeling and experiencing. And maybe it's so successful at being expressionistic to make the audience feel what Ray feels, maybe that's why we're not questioning it as much. And I think it works so well because the water does exactly what the dark side is doing. So in a way, the water is physically becoming the dark side in this little interaction that Ray is having with the dark side. It cries out to Ray. She accepts it on some level. Then it briefly overwhelms her, and then she either contains it or breaks contact or it recedes. Re regardless, it goes away. I keep liking the interpretation of contain because just visually, her hand slaps, just as the water disappears into the rock, her hand slaps down as though she is turning off the force faucet. Regardless, it is a, a complicated and I think fascinating expression of the dark side. We get to physically see it call out, gush up, consume Ray, and then be resisted. But what's even more interesting to me than how great it is as an expression of the dark side is the form it takes, that it's water. This is a more complicated and nuanced interpretation of the dark side than we've seen in some ways. Water is, of course, natural, and it can be life-giving, but it can also be deadly. It can be cold, suffocating, drowning, angry, powerful, but not necessarily just evil in terms of a cultural signifier. If you want evil, compare that to that Revenge of the Sith scene with Palpatine where he says, I can't, I can't, I can't hold it. And his face bubbles with a evil or scars or a mixture of both, but certainly the unnatural. He's moaning and there are grotesque 
unnatural animal sounds coming off of him, he immediately begins to talk of power and death. Even the cave in Dagobah, the tree cave, which can also, you you can make arguments for it being a natural place that has been consumed, but there are more traditional signifiers of uh, dark and evil. Luke needs to crawl into it in their various... Uh, scary animals, uh, which again, animals can be natural, but I'm just talking about traditional cultural signifiers. And then because Luke brought his weapons in with him, he brought violence. It becomes a place of violence. Now, those are some of the different explorations of the dark side that we've seen before, but water. Water is more complicated because I think it is the kind of thing where if you interviewed a random audience member before seeing The Last Jedi and said, water is a symbol in this movie. Is it going to be a symbol of life, of hope, or is water a symbol of temptation, darkness, coldness, death? I think you'd get lots of different answers. It's not a clear-cut cultural signifier in American movies. And I think it works really well for me because it fits with the way the Force is being examined in The Last Jedi, saying that a certain amount of balance is natural. Earlier in this scene, in fact, Luke is trying to present the balance to Rey. Luke is trying to present the goal of the light side is not just to snuff out the dark side because you have to have both. There is balance. It's life and death. The world, the galaxy, has violence, it has conflict, it has fear and anger and doubt, and they have their place. And for me, my own personal headcanon interpretation of the forces, that is true. Life has a cycle. There's conflict, there's violence, that's all fine. But when the dark side becomes the true dark side, as we have known it over all of the storytelling in Star Wars, it's when... That darkness is taken out of balance. A true dark side user like Sheev Palpatine or Snoke takes those natural parts of the world of existence and takes them too far, manipulates them and twists them into something unnatural. We even see this in the end of The Last Jedi that by the time Kylo has been offered again and again to find some sort of balance within himself, and he keeps clinging to what he believes, which is kill the past, murder it. Uh, Anybody who has ever uh, wronged me should die. I am going to be the one, the only. There is no balance. There is just only what Kylo wants. And after a whole movie of this, when he is facing Luke on crate, he is beginning to look sickly. He has weird uh, pasty pallor to his flesh and there are weird creeping veins popping out and almost looks like the darkness within him is almost bruising him subdermally. That looks unnatural to me and unpleasant. I'm going to go way out on a limb here and say if you are so angry, your own soul is bruising your face from the inside to the point where you're like, "Ah, I should maybe put on some makeup, That is evil. But water isn't that. Water isn't as obviously evil. Interestingly, water is also of particular relevance to Rey, who grew up on a sand planet. She probably sees water as more of a life-giving thing than the natural danger and power of it. I'm sure she is aware that 
people can drown. I'm sure she's heard stories of that. I'm sure she's seen a hapabore stick his face in a water trough for so long that it almost drowns. She's aware of what water is, but it's really uh, clear that it's not something she's seen or spent a lot of time around. It's really intriguing to me that this dark side cave is offering her something she's always wanted, knowledge about her parents and her past, and it's offering it to her in the form of something she has needed to fight for to survive. Water, I would imagine, is pretty rare on Jakku. Like, seriously, all of that water that splashed up through and over her, how many portions worth of water just splashed on her? I mean, I get that it's probably salt water, but still, I bet even salt water has value on Jakku. When I think about water as the image of the dark side for Ray's temptation here, it's so much more powerful when I think about Ray's relationship with water. That's like if you were incredibly hungry and somebody said, hey, why don't you come over to my house? Uh, I have a cheeseburger. But then you realize the house itself is made of cheeseburgers. The walls, the floors, the couch itself. There is a cheeseburger couch you can eat. And it is, not only is it what you want, but it's composed of what you want. There's such a power to that. That, again, is a, it's a, it's a bit of a weird metaphor. And I, I'll admit, it's lunchtime and I'm very hungry and I want a cheeseburger. But the point is, I think it's super successful and evocative how much this water is representing. I'm not just evil. I'm something you've had to struggle to get. And now there's plenty of me. And I'm offering you even more. Come on down to my cave. And that is not even the only adventure or interaction that Ray has with water. Just a few minutes later in the movie, she is uh, outside the Falcon, and we get to see a brief reminder that she is from this scavenger desert planet and hasn't seen much of the galaxy, hasn't seen much actual water. Of course, we had the line in The Force Awakens about that she didn't think there was that much green in the whole galaxy. And in this scene, she is putting her hand out under the falling water and she's got that smile of just like, this is so weird. Water just splashing around just everywhere around me this rare thing is here with me. It's a reminder that all of this is still new and strange and beautiful to her. And then, right then, she has a quick force time call with Kylo. And this is uh, this force time call is really the beginning of Rey questioning who Kylo is. She calls him a monster, and he agrees that, yes, he is a monster. And then the connection ends. A big splash of water crests off the rocks of Octu, and then we cut back to Kylo wiping water off his face. Now, in theory, this is just water from the planet, not water specifically springing out of the dark side mirror cave hole, but still, we must ask the timeless question of Jerry Seinfeld. What is the deal with that? Two powerful water moments where water is physically traveling across the galaxy in a unique force-related way. Is this a new force ability? Is this force shower, 
Force dampness? Is Ray spraying Kylo in the face from across the galaxy? Is she that powerful? How many Force points would that cost? Or is this a misdirection? Is General Hux actually in the room above Kylo on that starship? Is he taking a shower? And is the shower leaking on Kylo's face? I think no to that one. But again, some fun visuals. So just like the dark side cave moment with Rey where water moves to a place that it should not be, I think this moment where Kylo wipes the actual physical water from his face works great in an expressionistic way to communicate what is happening in the movie, that Rey and Kylo's connection is getting stronger. If water is being used as a metaphor for the dark side, what does it mean that Rey appreciates the water? Is she willing to understand the nature of the dark side? Is she willing to understand why Kylo is a monster? Is she wondering why he destroyed Luke's temple? It's a great moment in the film where it raises the question of how deep is the connection going to be between Rey and Kylo, between Rey and the dark side. So again, it might be that uh, us Star Wars fans aren't really nitpicking it because it works so well symbolically that we're just accepting it. But we also can ask, what does it literally mean? Did Kylo actually get a little octo water bath on his face from across the galaxy? Or is this just something that Kylo is perceiving? The same way he is able to see Han's dice at the base on crate before they disappear. If Hux had been standing next to Kylo when he got the water on his face, would Hux have been like, why, why are you wiping your face, Kylo? There's, there's nothing there. Did you, did you just cry very large saltwater tears and then wipe them away? So that moment makes me think of a few things. I think that moment is a connection between the idea of the forced time call that is happening between Rey and Kylo and a connection between the force projection that Luke does at the end. We have other examples of this in the movie. Obviously, Kylo talks about how the effort to make the connection would kill Rey, which also then lets us uh, understand more at the end of the film that Luke has exerted an incredible amount of energy and effort to do the force projection onto crate. So there is a connection made between these moments, which invites us to wonder how much of this is perception and how much of this is literal. Did Kylo actually get water on his face or was he just perceiving it, physically feeling it, the same way he was able to pick up and hold his father's dice before they disappeared in his hand? And, uh... Even to make this more complicated and more nuanced, we have this scene where Rey and Kylo touch fingers. And from their reaction, it appears that there maybe could be an actual tactile sensation of touch. But again, it is totally open to interpretation. We learn later in the film that in the moment where their hands met, they both had visions of one another's futures and visions that made each of them confident that they knew the choice that the other would make, but then, in classic Star Wars fashion, they only saw the truth from a certain point of view. So there's all of that going on that's metaphysical. But the film doesn't really give us concrete information about 
was it a tactile sensation? Did they literally feel each other's fingers? Now, if you want to be hashtag team literal on all of this, that would be fascinating because it could mean that force projections and force connections have the possibility to be so strong that they can affect physical matter, physical reality, that the dark side water cave or the random splashing Kylo in the face water or the dice or Luke Skywalker himself could be so powerful in their mental projection or connection to other people that they could take actual literal form, not just be luminous illusions, but actual physical realities across space and time. That would be a pretty amazing power. I don't think there's anything in the movie that is concretely saying that, that this is a super high-level power and the next level up is physical manifestation. Now, I'm not even going to get into a sidetrack conversation about what's going on with uh, Force Ghost Yoda, who is having a physical effect on the environment. He's uh, causing lightning. He's a whacking Luke in the face with his Force Projection Cane or Force Ghost or Force Spirit. Anyway... All I'm saying is I think it's really interesting that this movie is raising questions that it is on purpose. I don't think it's sloppy. I know people aren't fans or have criticisms of Ryan Johnson's work. To me, this is so very clearly, there are so many moments of the movie asking you to decide for yourself what you think was real. What do you think the characters physically uh, experienced and what was simply a manifestation of a sensation of a mo- of an emotion so that's a great big old detour into force projection land let's get back to the crazy water on octu i think what the film ends up being clear about is in this particular instance water is an expression of the dark side we see a couple examples of this the water moves unnaturally when it goes across Ray in the scene that we're actually talking about. It, you know, moves in unnatural ways across her body. It doesn't make uh, the environment around her damp. It doesn't uh, get on Luke. It just seems to cling to Ray's physical body. And then, of course, when Ray finally does go down to the actual dark side mirror cave, she experiences the dark side of water, the powerful, dangerous side of water. She falls, she splashes into it, uh, she struggles up, and she is gasping for breath. That physical reality of the effect water can have on the human body, and that actually mirrors, no pun intended, it mirrors how she describes her experience in the cave to Kylo. She says that she should have felt trapped or panicked, like someone who is drowning. I think the water is this... Uh, metaphor, this physical metaphor for being seduced by the dark side mirror cave, by the water. The water is basically saying, hey, I'm just water. It could be that I'm calming, that I'm that I'm life-giving, that I'm amniotic. Just take a dive in me and you'll feel the comfort and the protection of being back in the womb. You're not trapped or panicked. You're being drawn to something. You're being drawn to a parental figure. Here, you know what? There's nothing bad going down here. I just have something to offer. Why don't you let this water rush through you, over you, beyond you, and let it 
pull you into this lovely mirror cave where I can show you something you're curious about. And then what does this watery mirror cave show her? It shows her something manipulative. The water has seduced her. It has brought her in to show her something meant to cause her fear and pain that she can't see her parents. Her parents are no one. She is alone. All of this leads me to a couple conclusions. And my number one conclusion is the water is a jerk. That dark side mirror cave water is an asshole. I know I don't want to get out of control here, try to be positive here on Four Center, but that water is a jackass. Another conclusion I come to after doing this uh, long thinking, I was going to say deep dive, but I keep wanting to not say things that sound like puns. Uh, Obviously, given this a lot of thought, watched that scene a bunch of times, as I'm looking at it and thinking about it, uh, Jamie in in the question asked about it as a force power. I didn't see it as a a force power when the water rushes around Ray. I don't see it as something that she's doing. It's something that she's experiencing. It's maybe something that she has opened herself up to, so she has allowed it to happen, but I don't think it's something that she is uh, doing. I think it's something she's experiencing. It's something so powerful and real that in her perception of that moment, that it has a physical impact on her body. She's exhausted. There's actual water on her body, her hair, her clothes. So I don't think it was a force power. I think it was a force experience, a force experience that left her literally with water on her body. And if there was not water on her at all, I might lean to just saying, this is straight up expressionism. She is communing with the force and she is having a vision. And the water is a fascinating and interesting metaphor for being seduced by the dark side. And the dark side presented as part of the natural world, not necessarily good or evil, but just a part of the balance of the galaxy. I think that would be a great take that this is just solid film expressionism, but I think it is more than that. It is an invitation to mystery because it is also made literal. Perhaps the water represents the power of the cosmic force physically manifesting itself within the living force. Perhaps Ray is just really sweaty. More than anything, I think this is an invitation to embrace a part of Star Wars that can't be featured in a cross-section book. This is not a star map. This is not how many parsecs or why don't R2's leg rockets work anymore. To me, this is a reminder that the force is both mystical and physical. It is a luminous energy field connecting all the crude matter that is the physical world. And even those who seek to study it for decades, both in Star Wars and here in the real world doing podcasts, we will never truly understand all of the mysteries of the Force. So to answer your question, your grievance, your great discussion point directly, Jamie, I personally choose to see that moment as a thing that is of the force that Ray is physically experiencing, but to the outside eye is perhaps not literally happening as we see it. I think that Ray uh, and Kylo, when they connect, I think the power of their connection is making Kylo see water. I don't think there is actually physically water on his face, just like there aren't actual physical dice in Kylo's hand. So to me, it really is not the literal, 
not just the expression. It is the third option, something more. And if that does not work for you as an answer, I totally understand, and I offer you this alternative. It is a force power. Ray is a young, powerful, and not fully trained space wizard. And while communing with a dark side cave, she accidentally cast the spell Summon Moisture for a total of exactly 72 force points. And one of my favorite things about Star Wars is that it can be looked at from lots of different points of view. So we, each of us, in our own little Star Wars hearts and souls, gets to decide. The final thing I will say about this great topic If it really is a force power to summon moisture, those asshole Jedi better get themselves to Tatooine and Jakku and start helping people out with fresh water that you can drink. Don't be super jerks and say, yes, I can summon moisture, but only salt water. That seems rude. Anyway, thanks again, Jamie. Really fun and intriguing question. I look forward to thinking about it even more and discussing it more and hearing all of the great thoughts that I know are out there in our Force Center community. If you have grievances, please send them in. They can be questions about what's happening in a movie. They can be stuff that bothers you from a movie or a comic or a book. It can be big picture stuff about the community or about how uh, Lucasfilm is handling Star Wars. I'm happy to discuss anything and try to look at it from multiple points of view and try to make you feel better, try to bring you up from the dark side cave up to the beautiful heights of the sitting meditating rock on Octu. You can send those on Twitter or Facebook. Please do use the hashtag Star Wars Counseling. That's counseling spelled with one S. Using those hashtags for your grievances makes it much easier for me to find them. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed. You can check out my comedy albums and live shows all on josephscrimshaw.com. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash center. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash center. We are building to new goals. We are getting very close to some of them, dancing around them. So come on in and get us over the line. Until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.